Welcome to our podcast. Today I'm joined by Jenny Brown and together we will explore coaching pre and post career promotion. Jenny has a 20 year background in auditing for not profit and public sector organisations. Jenny seamlessly transitioned her career into a multifaceted role, leveraging her expertise as a qualified coach, NLP practitioner with a degree in psychology. Jenny now wears many hats as a coach, a coaching supervisor, a chair of a housing association, a governance consultant and much sought after trainer and facilitator. At the core of her elliptic career is a steadfast commitment to fostering authenticity and inclusivity, helping individuals harness their unique strengths to thrive personally and professionally. So welcome, Jenny. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here as our guest today. Thank you very much for having me here. It's uh, I'm looking forward to a great conversation. And me too. Me too. And I, you know, I hope we can explore all the great experience that, that you've you've had, and you obviously bring, I'm sure, to your coaching practice. Yeah. So the first question I'd like to ask, just to help you and I to really be clear about what we're talking about, the topic, and our listeners mm-hmm. to understand that, outline what you mean by pre and post career promotion coaching. So more and more organisations or indeed individuals are identifying the value that people can get from having some coaching as they're getting ready to be promoted. So maybe that's that they're on a internal development programme at an organisation as part of a sort of a, a formal promotion process. Maybe it's somebody who's been identified as a rising star needing some uh, additional support to get through to the next level. And also seeing that coaching being put in place post a promotion happening, sometimes in a uh, proactive space. So sometimes it's a proactive thing that says we've promoted you. Let's create some coaching support for you. Sometimes it's reactive. So you've got somebody who's been promoted and maybe found uh, they need a little bit of extra support to find their feet in the new role. But for me, this is one of those areas where organisations are identifying that there's a huge amount of value in creating some coaching support. Yeah. And and I guess what you're saying, planned and formal or reactive if suddenly they get promoted and they need to find that support for that for that individual. Yeah. And I guess in my language, what I'm also understanding this to be is top talent coaching for those that you want to promote. So that's a very much a plan, identify that talent and plan that through. And another term that I guess our coaches or HR professionals are listening is transition coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and in some cases, actually um they're being there to solve a problem as well so um i do see it sometimes where somebody's been promoted particularly i think where maybe they've stepped into a senior colleague's role when the other person's left so maybe they haven't had that kind of deliberate step into a promotion it's been reactive in the organization and then realizing that actually that person needs a little bit of help as well so i think there's a third one as well relates to transition but it's usually when there's some sort of tension um arising and and a need to help somebody get their feet uh back on the level ground yeah and i guess if someone within the organization suddenly decides to resign and leave you've got to fill that space exactly so someone's got to step in at quite short notice and they haven't been prepared exactly and the coaching can prepare them and, and help them manage that transition into the role that they didn't think they get or weren't expecting to get at that time 
Yeah, exactly. Particularly yeah. when the organisation maybe doesn't have a lot of other development programmes. So you can almost go overnight from, uh, you know, being reporting into a person to actually doing that person's role. Um, and the organisation doesn't always understand quite how big a shift that can really be for someone. Yeah. And I, I guess my ne next trail of thought is, what is it that you provide in that support? not only for that sort of suddenly I'm in that position, but also when it when it's planned. And I guess not only what do you support, is that support different for, for both of those sort of either planned or not planned scenarios? So it really depends on the organisation that I'm working with and the individual. Sometimes it's an incredibly structured process. So working alongside a development programme, for example, where there are three coaching sessions that go alongside some workshops and those sorts of things. Um, and that experience is always interesting because you really hit people at different levels. So some people are sort of there for the coaching because it's ticking a box on the programme. I do some coaching, I get through this program, then I'll be in line for promotion. Yeah. Whereas for other people, it's a real moment to have some space, facilitated space for themselves to reflect on who they are and how they can move things forward. There is a third sort of situation as well, where sometimes people when in misunderstanding what coaching is in that situation, they see it much more like, tell me what I need to do to pass this process. Right, um, okay. And it can be yeah. very process oriented. Um, and I've had a lot of success over the years from someone coming into the room with that. I'm here about the process and over a, a, a number of sessions, getting them to see actually this is about personal development. And, and those are some of the really satisfying ones where you get someone move from that. I just need to pass this process to see that actually there's so much that they can get out of really reflecting on who they are and what they're going to be as a leader. Yeah, great. And that, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. And, and and just on reflection, I do see that in some of the programmes we run where individuals will come forward and they sort of think, right, okay, I just need to get through this. I've been promoted. I just need to get through this. I'll just attend. Yeah, yeah. As you say, tick boxing exercise. And then you all get the other individuals that realise they, they do need to go through it, but they want to go through it because they see it as part of their growth and development. And promotion is always or is part of that. Yeah. And then I, I guess you, you, the third element, which may sort of link with the first part, is that, you know, I'll just tell me what I need to do to get through this. Yeah. So quite transactionary. And yeah. I guess not, not not embracing the responsibility that a good coachee and I guess, in you know, if we're critical here, good leaders should do is embrace that responsibility and ownership and authenticity of, you know, I'm not just doing this because I've got to, I'm doing this because this will make me a better person, therefore a better leader, so I can f fulfil that new role more effectively. Yeah, and, and I think what's interesting there is also the role that the organisation who's setting it up plays as well. Um, you and I know, and all the listeners will know, the value of coaching and how coaching can be truly transformational um, and it can be uh, restorative, it can be all of these different things. And yet there is still, even those people who are signing up to thinking about coaching, those organisations talking about coaching, there still can be an expectation that it is a transactional process. Mm, you know, yeah. we as coaches will somehow bring somebody into the room, iron out all of the problems, make them into the perfect candidate that that is exactly what 
the organization needs as opposed to really embracing it from a even from a diversity and inclusion perspective that says actually let's make this person the very best them they can be yeah. And that will serve you well as an organization. So I do still see that some of these programs, you know, there's suggested uh, frameworks into you'll talk about this topic, you'll talk about that topic. And the coaching is really, in those instances, I think really being perceived as additional learning and training time yeah. with yeah. a coaching style, um, where the value is really about making your people able to think for themselves, able to be reflective leaders, building on their own agility, all of those things that we know the leaders of the future need. Yeah. Um, and many do get it, but sometimes you do, do still see that even the organisation sees it as process. Yeah, and, and I see that sadly a lot of the time. And I think there's a lack of education for the coachee about what coaching is and what it yeah. can provide to them as individuals. Yeah. So it, it, let's let's do a little sort of role play, if we may. I'm I'm your <laughs> I'm your coachy, and I yeah. come on one of the. What can I expect to experience in that sort of first session to get me engaged and really excited and understand that. The value that spending time with you, my precious time, you know, I'm a busy yeah. individual, yeah. spending time with you and helping me to prepare, be ready and be successful in this new role. Give me a sort of understanding of that, Jenny, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, I would always start off as, as any coach would be thinking about the rapport. So understanding yeah. where the person is right now. So what are their thoughts about coaching you know, what's your previous experience? I'd ask I'd ask you to tell me about your previous experience of coaching. What are you expecting from our sessions together? And then I'd also usually start with a question. What would a really good outcome at the end of our time together look like? So if we fast forward to the end of these five sessions that we're going to have. Yeah. Who is the Trayton that we're going to see at the end of those five sessions? Yeah, yeah. And, and and what I like about that is that you're putting responsibility onto me to tell you not only what I want to see, but I guess start to take ownership of that journey myself as we progress through that to help me achieve what I said I want to achieve. Ex yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I think one of the things that's important in this as well, and, and this is very much part of my own coaching philosophy, I know we all have different uh, ways of doing things, is I believe I need to have that agility to, in each session, hold that space so that it best serves the person I'm talking to so it best serves the coachee so if I become overly fixated on what we talk about in that first session right you know so you tell me that by the end of those five sessions you want to have uh, really confident meetings with the senior colleagues that you're now part of the team of all of these sorts of things we hold that and that's there but it might be that when we meet for the second time, actually, you've just had a particular scenario turn up with one of your direct reports mm -hmm. and the conversation mm -hmm. turns into something that's in a very different direction, a very different part of the role. Keep checking into that overall objective, but allowing the flexibility over the period of time that you will, you know, there's you can have that period of discovery as well. Yeah. So, you know, I've I've never been one of those coaches that sort of says, right, we'll fill forms in and then we'll, you know, we'll keep coming back to them. Are we, are we achieving that? Are we achieving that? Yeah. As long as we are achieving, 
and we're seeing change happen and checking in on that change. Is this still right? We'll very often pick a topic for the next time we meet at the end yeah. of one session, leaving people yeah. with things to go away and test out and experiment safely. Yeah. But very often what I find is we come to the next session, we have a quick update on that and then say, but actually something else has come into my mind and this is what I want to deal with. Because that's what life's like, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we can write these grand plans. But life happens life and sometimes changes. just having yeah. that ability to sit and reflect is is invaluable. And, and I, I work in a similar way. I sort of understand where the individual wants to get. So I call it the sort of the North Star. That's our destination. Yeah. That's our that's yeah. our purpose. But, you know, that's a journey. And then on a journey, things can change and we need to adjust, you know, our approach, the the, the focus. But at the end of the, the, the sort of five sessions, six sessions, whatever it is, we know that that's where we are trying to get to and hopefully we get to that and reviewing yeah. it on, on, on the way. So yeah. one of the things I'm curious is when you have this sort of conversation you say to people where do I want to get to and on that journey there will be things that crop up and you mentioned a couple of those meetings with various senior mm-hmm. members. What are some of the other themes and things that tend to show up when you're doing the sort of career coaching? There's very often a theme around confidence in some way um, and I think I think that's probably because of my style, the way that I describe my coaching technique. I think I probably am more likely to end up with uh, coaches who are looking to build their confidence in some way. But the thing that never ceases to amaze me is how different that can look for different people. Um, I do hear a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome. Um, And kind of raise that as a thing. And I have a bit of a love hate relationship with imposter syndrome because I have a real issue with the word syndrome, because whilst I've seen people once they've heard about imposter syndrome, it gives them a real sense of this is not just me. You know, other people feel like this as well. And I think that is amazing. Mm -hmm. That ability to look further afield, see that it's it it isn't just you that's dealing with those sorts of thoughts. It isn't just you that sits there sometimes thinking, I'm 15 year 15 years old in my head. Why are these people asking me what they should be doing, you know, with their with their work? But there's a downside, which is that we can label ourselves with it. And I think sometimes we can add it into our narrative. So, oh, I have imposter syndrome, and it becomes sort of almost self-fulfilling prophecy. Sure. What I also think as well is that actually people experience whatever that feeling is that feeling of should I be here in very very different ways so for some people it will play out as having to work feel like they always have to work super super hard because the second they stop it'll all fall apart there are other people who are you know genuinely just doubting their ability to do things whereas there are other people who are really confident about their ability they're just not sure of other people's perception of them or that they're not worthy. So there's all these different elements that play out. And one of the concerns I have with imposter syndrome is someone says I have imposter syndrome. First of all, they're creating a narrative out of that. But secondly, if we just coach at that level, we're making assumptions about what it is that they're actually experiencing. You know, there is a big difference between that sense of um, self and authenticity and a sense of confidence in uh, other people valuing that authenticity they're huge differences so um that's one of the things that i often explore with people is when you say you're not very confident what do you mean by that how does it show up what is it that we're actually trying to work with 
um, here. And, and so that's one theme. Another theme, and I have to say it's probably what I introduce to okay. people in terms of actually actively getting them to explore it is the extent to which they rely on external validation. Because I think the more senior people get, the less external validation, the less positive external validation they'll get. And one of the things that I've seen, particularly in post-promotion coaching, especially when somebody suddenly becomes a peer to the person who has been till now their champion, there's a really difficult tension there because suddenly they haven't got somebody telling them that they're really amazing and they've got all this potential and they can move forward and you know they know where they're going and they've been so focused on this sort of particularly when it's a sort of a very sure. senior promotion and suddenly their champion is their peer mm. and it's not mm. to say that their champion isn't still supporting them but that support will look very very different yeah. and you know, maybe now most of the feedback that they get is actually from direct reports in the broader business about what they're not getting right. So that positive feedback comes in. And I think there are a lot of people out there. There's a, there's a whole sort of cohort, a whole personality style, even bigger than that, of people who are exceptionally dependent on the external validation right. to motivate them. It, it, that's really interesting. I want to just go back to theme one before mm. I sort of come back to theme Absolutely. two. And what I picked up from what you were saying is that um, using coaching language, there's a sort of an inner game that shows up that you need to, to work with. But it's also an outer game that you need to help them develop as well. And, you know, yeah. with Tim Gale, we're in a game of, of tennis with self one, self two. You're working yeah. with both selves when you're working with, with that client. And exactly. if I, So that's theme one piece theme two is yeah. interesting and, and i'm curious that you you bring it into the conversation that validation yeah. and i can see you shaking yeah. there as yeah. supervisor and saying you bring stuff in you bring <laughs> so, so uh, help me understand i guess the rationale in bringing stuff in because i think what you you ex how you explain it, i think it's very valid and certainly you know suddenly i'm was getting all this praise and now i'm it feels like i'm getting criticism and yeah. being challenged not just by you know my peers but by others and that's that's can be have a negative impact i guess so two yeah. questions there one why do you bring it in yeah. and secondly i'd love to just expand and understand how you, how you how you might deal with that when when that does show up yeah so i think i it very rare it very often rather um comes out itself in the post promotion coaching that i do so it is very often even where it's reactive. So, do you know, where the organisation said this person's just flailing a little bit in their new role, not sure they've gone from being, you know, sometimes I get they described, they've gone from being this amazingly sparky, confident individual and just seeing that sort of light just fade with, and, and the organisation, you know, the, the, the senior colleagues who've kind of got them there can't understand it. Where's this amazing person that they've championed and the light's gone? Yeah. Um, and very often when we've got into it. So when I say it's a theme that I've I've seen it come out time and time again. So in those instances, I don't often raise it. It's it's in exploring that situation. That's what's come out of it. And I suppose that's me using my learning from those sure. things that when I'm then working with people pre-promotion. Okay. Yeah. I'm sitting there and saying, okay, so let's think about what's it going to mean to you this being a more you know in the in the more senior role what's that going to feel like so part of the preparation i suppose getting them into that space um 
and you know my my own coaching philosophy and my sort of coaching supervision philosophy is is very person centered it's very around what they need but with a strong sense that sometimes additional learning from outside can help them unlock those doors so yes the person has the resources that they need but sometimes they might want to use those resources and expand them by learning other things so it's sort of person-centered with a heavy dose of heavy dose of learning being possible um and and so that's why I raise it because I have seen it be one of those things that people just haven't prepared themselves for and I see it as my responsibility if I'm part of a development program my role is there to get somebody ready for promotion yeah my you know I see it as my responsibility to test out where some of those blind spots are what have they really thought about yeah um you know we all bring our own filters don't we to coaching so absolutely and i that, that's great it's a great response so you know and, and the word blind spot for me was a, is a key one so because mm. of your experience you know that these things will likely show up but people may not be aware that they're going to show up so that's that yeah. blind spot so you introduce yeah. it to like we should do as coaches to raise awareness yeah. give them a different perspective on the situation experiences that they might have and that allows them I guess that aha moment to go okay and then it gives you permission to then talk into that and help them work out the approaches that they can that they can take exactly and and I don't sort of say to them how dependent are your external validation what I tend to say sure. to them is you know yeah. I sort of say okay so at the moment how do you know you're doing a good job mm. How do you know you're doing a good job? And very often what people say is, well, you know, uh, all these people are telling me I'm doing a good job. I've been put on this development program and we kind of go through that process. Then I say, okay, so how will that change when you get promoted? Yeah. And it's that sort of so so it's very much part of that. It's moving into the transition type element that when you were sort of setting out those other elements earlier, it's very much putting into that, getting them ready, not just for that moment where you know if there's an interview panel or what it's not just about passing that or writing the right forms or convincing the right people it's actually starting to think about well what if my dream comes true and I get it mm-hmm. yeah you know, and I guess yeah that's interesting isn't it because for most or a lot of people I should imagine getting that dream job is is a dream <laughs> literally yeah. Yeah, and the excitement around that, but and focusing on all of the positives rather than focusing on some of the elements that they will come up against, which may be not so positive. There may be a negative impact to that, and helping them, I guess, to overcome those and and manage those as they yeah. transition into that new role and that new experience. Yeah, yeah, and and I see it particularly in very structured businesses. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of organisations out, out there, aren't there, where somebody might join either from school or from university as a, as a trainee. They get the trainee role, then they go to the next level. And there's this really um, clear career path for them. There's loads of organisational structure around that. There's clarity. And I very often see it when they sort of get to the top of that structure. It's what they've been working. It might be what they've been working towards in one way or another for the last 15 mm. years mm. Mm. what next yeah you know and i guess there's a feeling of you spent 15 years to get this dream job you've got it now mm-hmm. and then some of your clients must go it's not what i thought it was absolutely absolutely and i think again it's that thing isn't it as a coach you always have to be really aware of the fact that you probably 
because we work off affinity and obviously as coaches we 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 you know really work on our biases and what we project to other people mm. but i think it does often play out in rapport and things like that or even when people are reading your bio um, so you sort of said about my bio earlier about spending 20 years as an auditor um, and then doing something very different, mm. um, you know, mm. and not at a retirement age or anything like that, but actually kind of going, do you know what? I, I got to where I w- was going and then thought, what is this? Yeah. So, you know, and so I think I, by my nature, I probably attract other people who've maybe gone through a similar experience they see affinity in that sort of very structured career progression up to a certain point and maybe are at the same point in their lives where they want some thinking around that but I do hear a lot of conversations where particularly people who've always been encouraged to work hard they're the people who've been very focused very diligent in their career they've been maybe seen as career people really focusing on the next thing the the you know the qualifications all these sorts of elements they get to that point as you say where it's like well I've done all of that now mm-hmm. and sometimes what we can see is that although every time they've had a conversation at work you know and they're asked what's your five-year plan what's your goal it's all been very associated with salary and job description and very often we can't even appreciate the extent to which we are influenced by the people around us as to what's possible so maybe we've had the most amazing champions who've encouraged us in that career and and we've had all that great external validation and this is great and I can do this and and then you know you see people getting to that point where it's like well I can do it but is it what I want to do Mm, yeah you know which skill sets am I using but sometimes what we also see as well is that people have gone through that career progression and what they realize is they get to the you know even necessarily the top of the tree but you know a good way up the tree and they realize that the elements of the job that they came into this role to do in the first place they don't get to do that anymore the classic example I use with lots of people is you know the person who becomes principal of a school or head of a school Mm. very rarely does any teaching sure and if what they went in there to do in the first place yes there's loads of people who love being a head of a school but there are also lots of people who get there and kind of go hang on my my reason for being the thing that gave me the passion to be in this job in the first place I don't get I only get to facilitate other people doing it is that is that enough is that what I want to be doing yeah which is interesting because I know the title is pre and post promotion. Mm-hmm. Do you get to work with individuals that say, I don't want promotion. You know, what? I'm really comfortable in this job and I just want to be become even more comfortable and even more successful in the job that I'm doing. And I don't know what you would call that type of coaching, but it's not pre and post yeah. promotion. It's just, I don't know, just staying in that same role and being content and and and, you know and just playing my best game with with what I've got have you had experience of that I have unfortunately I don't think a lot of organizations identify those individuals as being a good investment for coaching I disagree Mm. with that decision Mm. but I don't think those Mm. individuals tend to be the person who gets the coaching yeah. Um, where I do come across it is where people have been encouraged onto development programs that have some coaching associated with them. And I'm sort of having those conversations that we were just sort of outlining before. And you realise that the person's like, you know, I'm sort of saying, what's the goal? Well, actually, I'm kind of here because my boss said I kind of needed to. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then we have a whole shift and it's about making now this is where you know if both of us put our coaching supervision hats on we get into that systems piece don't we around well you know what's the organization asked for versus what the individual sure. needs and you know, yeah. these are the sorts of great conversations I take to my coaching supervisor and, and we talk about them but I always come back to you know fundamentally there's the person in front of me and without you know without being completely subversive it's about making sure that that person is the best employee for the organization yeah yeah and like you say that is very often about keeping them happy and actually for some people that's around them being where they are maybe in terms of job title but expanding their horizons you know we can be really binary or organizations can be really binary you're either in there for promotion or you're you know a a middle laner and you know and 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 that and those people can really quickly become poor performers because they don't get any of the love but very often they are the linchpin to keeping the mm. teams together and yeah. i think those people often get really undervalued so in those instances i see it as my role to help them find their motivation um, and that might be where I get them to, you know, I use these two tools a lot anyway, but it might be where I get them to think about what their values are. Yeah. So, you know, is is being in that place in accordance with their values? Where are the tensions for them? You know, is there a bit of a pull for promotion? It's just that it's not the right time now. You know, what's behind their statement? What do they really want to achieve? And I might also use Ikigai and get them to think about where they're getting that fulfillment from. Because sometimes for those people, actually, it's that they're happy with the job. It delivers what they need, but it's never going to fill up their key guy because, you know, maybe they've got outsides of work interests that are their real priority. And yeah. so as long as their job allows them to have that other priority, they're happy. So yeah. really getting people to understand their own motivations and making sure that they understand that decision. So it's not a resistance. It's not a defensiveness. It's a really deliberate choice. And I think just for our listeners, Ikigai is about having purpose at the heart of everything you do. Absolutely. And we'll put, put that in the show notes. We yes, won't go into the do. details there, no. but um, just so our, our listeners are around that. And there's also just listening to you there. It, it's fascinating because there's a, well, there is a great article by Harvard Business Review called Don't Forget the B Players. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these pre and post uh, career focuses and the development is all about that top talent, those A players that are for promotion. And we've got to forget those people, you know, those B players, if we can use that language, that are at the heart of making the organisation sustainable and continue to work. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, and I think it's a very Western philosophy that, you know, to be successful is to be forever moving forwards and upwards and to yep. be achieving. And that achieving is about big crunchy goals you know and it's about the big stuff and whenever we look across it actually so much of what we rely on as human beings is is some degree of stability and yeah. um, you know as organizations we we rely on some degree of legacy we've all seen those situations haven't we where you know the person that everyone just assumed would be there forever yeah says actually i'm off yeah and nobody saw it coming yeah, um, stables the organisation or stabilises everything. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you know I think a lot of organisations would do really well. And 
and even in the narrative when we talk about those those b players to use the uh, the hbr language it's very often about how to turn your b players into a players sure yeah but the question is what do you mean by an a player because you you know we don't need all the chiefs we actually no. need an organization that has some stability in it but maybe it's about how do you have amazingly motivated b players yeah you know it, it's pretty dismissive almost to kind of define them in that way isn't it and, and i hope some of our listeners will reflect on that and think about how they do use the coaching and development not just to support the a players but also to support the b players and, and others yeah. so that you do get the motivation and that stability and, and sustainability yeah. and making sure those people stay around and help the business to continue to function yeah. Yeah. The, the other bit that's that's come to mind here jenny as we've been talking is on a similar sort of vein that promotion tends to be in that sort of leadership hierarchy and when you're leading you're leading not just the task and the sort of the function but you're leading people mm -hmm. and some people aren't people people right some people are very technical and, and you'll know that from your background in the auditing yes. and the financial world yeah so tell me about your experience where you've got a very technical individual that's being promoted and and how do you adjust if if at all your approach of working with them where they're saying I'm hesitant because I'm not a great leader I'm, I'm great in this functional area but I just don't know how to lead but I'm asking to be stepping up and not only manage the function but manage and lead people as well yeah so um this is probably where I use some kind of content as well so if I've got someone who's really technical particularly yeah. if they love data and information it's where I would actively share models of leadership with them okay so I would almost put myself into that space of sharing it with them as a technical exercise it might be where I get them to gather data so if somebody is very technical very data driven I would be much more recommending things like psychometric profiles, 360 feedback. So being able to get data to work on that and then working out what skills they actually need for the new for the new role. As an aside, I think one of the mistakes we make in lots of organisations is that we immediately assume that seniority in any particular role also by default has to have some sort of management or leadership um, of people responsibilities with it so you know you get promoted to manager in a lot of organizations to be a manager you have to be line managing people for example now sure. that's not to say that you you know you very often have to project manage people but putting somebody suddenly in charge of somebody else's development and well-being at work when they're a self-professed non-people person I yeah. think is really narrow-minded so yeah. I think you know hopefully as we continue to create more inclusive work environments will appreciate that yes it is about helping people develop their skills but also sometimes acknowledging that letting people spend the time doing the things that they're really good at and structuring organizations around that can be really uh, beneficial we see it all the time with ceos of large companies you know they might be the big inspirational person but absolutely dreadful at making practical business decisions they find the ones who are successful find the person who can drive that you know yeah, or the person yeah. who is the uh, the enforcer the thing the person who gets things done yeah yeah and yeah. And vice versa, you know, if you've got a really introverted chief executive, they find somebody who's going to be an amazing comms, you know, comms person, a marketing person. So we have all these 
these different elements but I think I would always start from that technical perspective and you know not pushing it into a place of sort of behavior by numbers but getting Mm. them to understand it and read theories and read because very often then I think they'll find they'll find in that content ways of being that are going to work for them and I I think as coaches we need to remember that coaching is all about learning yeah and helping someone to learn so understanding their learning preference and talking into that so bringing that data and those models in if they're more of a theorist in their learning style then that's going to resonate with them so exactly. try and try and force a different star that isn't going to resonate with them. And I always ask when I kick off with a coaching session, do you know how you learn best? Yeah. And that's yeah. fascinating that a lot of people don't, even when yeah. they're, you know, the sort of 40, 50 year bracket, they just don't know that. Um, so yeah. that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, I, I want to also um, bring alive, uh, if, if I'm a, someone's listening to this podcast mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, obviously want to go for promotion and um, I've I've got an opportunity to do that. What are some of the sort of pitfalls or mistakes that I might make that I can learn from you so that Mm -hmm. I minimise the impact of of making those mistakes that you pick up that a lot of people make? I think the first one, and potentially it's the biggest, is conflating what the business asks of you in order to tick the boxes to get the promotion. Yeah. Conflating that with the reasons why you want the job. Okay. So, you know, particularly where interviews and things like that are involved, there might be certain ways of crafting answers that are going to be more likely for the panel to award you the new job. Yeah. But I think very often people conflate how they articulate it externally with what they actually think about it internally so what i'm picking up then is your advice would be just be yourself be yourself but also think about what you really want from this promotion yeah you know and it could be that it's like well i want some more money for it or i feel i'm doing this job already yeah and and i'd like some more money for it thank you very much and that's why i want the promotion yeah. But then stopping to think and think, right, OK, so what do I enjoy about my current role? What am I really good at in my current role? What do I enjoy? Um, where do I get the buzz? You know, sure. yeah. and what do I hate about my current job? Mm, mm. And then having a really honest look at what your what the expectations are really sounding out. Well, what's the what's the promotion going to actually mean? Yeah. Because I think sometimes people assume that the promotion is going to take away some of the stuff that they don't like. Mm, mm, mm. Um, They assume that the promotion might give them more opportunity to do the stuff they really like and so on. And without really thinking about what it's going to mean, what is it for? What is it? What is it really for? So I think it's absolutely say it's about being really authentic and and doubling down on understanding who you are what drives you but then also really thinking about what that role is going to really mean in practical terms because I do get a sense that sometimes behind all the glory of the promotion and the pay rise and the status there's Mm -hmm. also a bit of an away from driver I'm fed up of work. I'm fed up with all of this stuff at this level. So I'm going to get promoted because, you know, I don't see my boss doing all of this stuff without appreciating that, um, you know, the bit that your boss deals with it is the bit that you can't resolve. Yeah. 
I, I really I really like that perspective because I, I think I should imagine people get focused on all the, the hype, as you say, and the excitement about the positive things it's going to give yeah. them. But the reality of actually, what does that role really mean? And, and more specifically, your question was, what does that actually mean to me? Yeah. Yeah. And and being, I guess, being honest with oneself on, or even going and get other understanding from other parties within the business, other people that may be in the, a similar role, just yeah. to get a real flavour and an understanding of that reality. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I, I've, absolutely. And, and I think sort of related to that is also understanding how you're going to respond to the new challenges. So the more senior you get in an organisation, the harder it is to know what the heck's going on. So if you've spent your career being the person that is amazing at problem solving, at turning things around, and most of that you've done by your connections, by grafts, by, you know, throwing in the hours, all of those sorts of things, there comes a point where you can't do all of that. And in fact, you'll be a really bad leader if you try and do all of that because you haven't got the time to do it. And also it's really disempowering for the people that you're bringing in Sure. behind you yeah but nor have you equipped yourself with the skills to monitor to check in you know it's beyond delegation you know delegation is something often a lot of us work on in our in our earlier careers but it's mm. kind of delegation plus so yeah. that ability to matrix uh, lead or manage that ability to understand what data is going to give you the information that you need and I think that's where a lot of people in that role kind of hit that overwhelm point because they don't feel like they're in control anymore. Mm. Their usual toolkit isn't working because their usual toolkit is work harder or longer hours. That's not going to help. Sure. Um, and also they don't get the um, the validation from that because very often if you're the problem solver, people go, well done. Oh, you pulled us out of a hole there. That was brilliant. Mm. Whereas when you get to the senior point, people say, well, how did you let that hole open up in the first place? Sure. You're suddenly held accountable on a different level. Ex exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's all these sorts of things that people don't sit and articulate, Consider. you know, and, you know, senior colleagues might try to in indicate it to us and say, yeah. Have you thought about this? But they can't articulate the feeling of it. Yeah. And I guess what I'm picking up from you, Jenny, is there a key skill is being able to let go of the old role to enable you to move forward and have the space and capacity to embrace the new role. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I guess people would underestimate that or would find it really hard to, to let go yeah. and adapt because it is moving to a new role is change, right? It's a new way of having to operate. Maybe the same yeah. business, maybe the same function, whatever that is. But it's a new way of operating. Yeah, absolutely. Jenny, it, it's been fascinating talking with you, and I'm I'm sure that our listeners will take a huge amount from your experience. And what I loved about this conversation is very practical. I can feel you've been there, done it, and and helped. I'm sure so many people in the pre and post uh, promotion with your coaching. Um, at Coaching Focus, um, we have a, a simple purpose, which is coaching for a better tomorrow and one question i ask all our guests before i let them go mm -hmm. is what does coaching for a better tomorrow mean to you for me i think it's about helping the individual embrace their authenticity so that we 
as individuals have higher levels of well-being, we kind of create better spaces around us, but then helping the broader organisations understand what their role is that in that is. So when kind of the individual's authenticity then driving change on an organisational scale so that it kind of gains a momentum, the more we can move to a place that we stop being around trying to cookie cutter employees and tell them how to do things it might be that you know we will always need to say what needs doing but allowing people the freedom to to um do that in the way that works for them with a great impact on their colleagues yeah so having that authenticity that empowerment and an individual level but allowing that to flourish in a systemic way to impact the organization and hopefully society beyond that exactly Exactly. so that we're coaching for a better tomorrow yeah jenny it's been a real pleasure thank you so much it's been great uh, thank you and i'm sure our listeners will have taken huge value from that so thank you very much Mm -hmm.